0: Hello! Welcome to Your Courageous Journey. This is Julie Fairber. And this is Julie Sickles. And we are going to kick this off by Julie and Julie interviewing each other, um, just so that you guys can
1: get to know us a little bit better. So I'm gonna ask you questions first. First thing I'd like to hear more about today is just about your background and kind of your history, like, Childhood things that kind of stand out to you,
0: okay, the biggest thing that I end up talking to people a lot about who ask about me is that I have moved around quite a bit, yeah growing up
1: you have that is true, yeah.
0: and to me that was always normal <laughs> like this is just what people do, but I found out in moving like a lot of people actually live in the same place their entire lives, and I think that's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> Um, My dad just worked for GM, General Motors, and got transferred, I would say, average of three to four years, something like that. Sometimes
1: it was every two, though.
0: Well, I'm trying to think back. I know <laughs> – I'm going to give you my life story in 30 seconds. I was born in Michigan, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We moved to Kansas. Then we moved to Dallas, Texas, and then to Thousand Oaks, California, and then to Lansing, Michigan, then to Dallas, California, and then back to Thousand Oaks, Cal- Dallas, California. <laughs> I said Dallas. <laughs> Dallas, Texas. I can't even keep all my places straight. Yeah. So um, we repeated some places. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. Cause I'm just laughing about the Dallas, California. Um, it's, it just brings up. I have memories of all these places. Mm-hmm. But I get them mixed up from what's where.
1: Yeah, from like the time period and yeah,
0: yeah. we like, oh, this happened in Michigan. Wait, no, 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 hold on. I was this age, and this and this happened around it, and so no, it was Texas.
1: Right. Yeah. So
0: sometimes it's really hard to
1: to kind of keep it all straight. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense.
0: But I think in the first time we were in California was shorter, and then the second time we were in Michigan was shorter. Okay. And in California, we were there for two and a half-ish years. I think I was in second grade when we moved there. And then, yeah, I fourth was in grade. fourth grade when we moved to Michigan. Yeah. So I was, if I wasn't 10, I don't think I was, yeah, I must have been 10. I was 10 and we moved away when I was 13. So okay. I was like three years maybe. Yeah.
1: That sounds in about Michigan. right. Yeah. That's when I knew you. Yeah, yeah, it was about three years, because I think it was about the fall Mm -hmm. of when I was in fifth grade, and then you left in the fall of when I was in eighth grade. So See, this is
0: where the memory thing gets a little hazy, because I just remember it being, I think it was the middle of the summer, and I remember looking out my window and seeing you in the street. I think you were with a bike, like you had a bike or something. (laughs) I probably, yeah. And that was one of the first times we ever hung out.
1: Oh, really? You remember that? Well, wow. memories
0: are not totally reliable when you're old, but you yeah,
1: that's true, huh? Yes, we used to walk and bike to each other's house <laughs> all the time, yeah, which was really fun,
0: yeah. So, Michigan, the second time is when I met you
1: mm-hmm.
0: when we were 10.
1: Yeah, how do you think moving around so much when you were young, how do you feel like that affected you?
0: Um. You know I first noticed, actually, when I was in fourth grade moving from California to Michigan. And I gave up in school. Hmm. So this was kind of a negative thing. Because I just figured, oh, we're moving again. Like, it doesn't really matter what I do in school. And I remember my grades were starting to slip. That was fourth grade. But one of the positive things, I think, from it was that we had a lot of friends that we were really close with. Yeah. And so they were more like family. Yeah. And so that was one really good thing. But I think I just got so used to like moving around so much that there was a point where I would be like, well, this place is done and over with. (laughs) Like I can stop trying. And yeah. So that was kind of one thing. And now as an adult, I think maybe because of that, it's possible that I have, like, I don't know, more of the flight tendency of, like, if things are hard
1: or whatever.
0: Well, let's just pack up and move on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And you've moved a lot as an adult, too. I mean, you've stayed in the same general area for your kid's sake. but, But you have moved to many different homes with your children. That's true. Yeah. Too many. Yeah. So... Tell me more about what you'd like people to know about your world view.
0: Well, that's interesting. So I grew up, you know, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I was raised that way. My dad converted before he and my mom got married. And my mom was raised in the church. And I, they did a really good job of sheltering me, I think. (laughs) And I just kind of grew up. Feeling like whatever it was that I knew is what was reality. Hmm. So in my little bubble, the things I experienced was just true everywhere. For everybody. For everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And as I grew older, and I think that's probably true for most people, right? We define the world as we experience it. Yeah. So... I think people tend to think the norm is whatever it is that they experience. As I grew older, I started to see things happen that didn't fit in with that idea that everything is just this way, (laughs) you know, that there are so many different ways, even in the church, even members of the church, there are so many different types of family dynamics and things that people go through. And, you know, my parents were... They both came from middle-class families, but my dad especially, like, his parents were really hardworking and frugal, and at the end of their lives, they ended up having quite a bit of money. So we never, I don't ever remember needing anything we didn't have access to, I think. Yeah, that's kind of a summary of my childhood.
1: Yeah. So having that worldview where you always had what you needed it was probably hard for you to relate to people who who had lack.
0: Yes. Well, that's true. I think kind of like a natural thought process is maybe it's not natural. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But like for me, it was kind of like, okay. well, if you're lacking, maybe you are not working as hard or doing the right things.
1: And that was kind of a belief that you picked up maybe from your grandparents and your parents. Yeah. Just unconsciously. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so. But that was my take of their actions. Yeah. So I didn't really delve into it a whole lot. I didn't ask a ton of questions. That
1: was kind of your interpretation. You know? They worked mm-hmm. hard and they've always had whatever they needed. Right. So if I work right. hard, I will always have everything that I need. Right. So how did that turn out, and for you in life?
0: (laughs) Well, I learned for myself that you can work harder than anyone else and still lack a lot.
1: Yeah,
0: and that was kind of a summary for me in school too. So I had ADD. It was ADD back then. Now it's ADHD. So they, I don't know, they have it like streamlined now, more of a.
1: All-in-one. It's it's an (laughs) all-in-one where you can differentiate between the two different types. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I really struggled in school a lot, and so did my sister. And my brothers seemed to excel. They never had a problem. That that was easy for them, and it just seemed to me kind of unfair that I worked so hard to get that B-minus. And the B minus for them was like, oh, you know, I just didn't turn in homework this week. Quick. <laughs> 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 <Like>, eh, whatever. <laughs> you know. It was that kind of thing. But yeah, I quickly learned that that's just wrong. <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> you know. So you so you had always... Yeah, you had that perspective from watching your parents and your grandparents, but from mm-hmm. even a very young age, you re- you recognized that your experience was not that. Your experience was different, and you felt like you were different.
0: Yes, very much so.
1: And how do you feel like that affected your place in your family?
0: Well, I often felt inferior in some ways,
1: but there was also a thing, too. So my parents, or
0: my family, I should say, we were all very into sports. Both my parents, but really my dad so I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And some of you may recognize where that is. That is where the University of Michigan is. So my mom went to the University of Michigan. My dad did not. He went to Eastern Michigan, but it's like
1: it's, I guess yeah, it's right kind next of door. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so so the Utah people who know, it's like UVU versus BYU. Right. So they're, like, the Great, town next door. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yep. I don't exactly know how many of, like, their siblings and the, their parents and stuff went to watch school. But being a Wolverines fan <laughs> is in my blood.
1: I, I think I know. some people which is, understand. Which, which is funny because... I my parents and my grandparents both attended Michigan State, which is is the Wolverines' rival, the Spartans. Mm -hmm. And yes, I've been told since I was young that green runs through my veins. So Mm -hmm. it's funny that you and I have been best friends for this long (laughs) (laughs) with our football rivalry. Although I have to say, I'm not super into football, so I don't feel threatened by you being a Wolverines fan. So.
0: Well, That, and I have been super into football, and I don't feel threatened that, you know.
1: That I can't betray my family. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, I didn't attend Michigan State either, so I think that that probably contributes. But also, I'm just not a football fan. I'll let my parents watch it and my husband watch it, but it's not really my thing, so.
0: Well, I've learned since being kid that I am not nearly as into football as my brothers and my dad are. I like it when we win and I <laughs> get really sad when we
1: do badly, which <laughs>
0: lately is a lot.
1: But um you do enjoy watching it though. You I might do. not get into it as much, but you you very much enjoy that and that's definitely yep. sports in general playing and watching sports has been something that you've always enjoyed. Like, I remember mm-hmm. playing football in your backyard.
0: Oh, yeah. When we were
1: like 10, and I was like, let's go do something. And you, you know, we had all the other neighborhood kids over, and you're like, yeah, but they're here and they want to play now. And yeah, I was kind of over it, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't remember all that. But yeah, I played sports a lot as a kid. Yeah. And. You did. Softball was my big one. And so that in that way, with the sports, I fit very much in with my family.
1: So that helps you to kind of bridge that gap and have that connection with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: But in other ways, like, I don't know, I think, especially as I got older and was experiencing different things, I just realized the way I see the world is not necessarily in line with everything my parents thought or taught me. Yeah.
1: So how would you say you view things now, right? You had this this paradigm, this idea that if people just work hard, then they'll have what they need. How has mm-hmm. your experience and then also learning about other people's experience changed that for you? So I
0: think it's just the thing that you can work really, really hard and still be lacking and still need things and need help, right? I guess for me, it's been a thing of being okay with that. I think that's really hard for a lot of people is being okay with receiving help.
1: Yeah, it is. I think it's a lot easier to help others than to allow other people to help you. For sure.
0: But I think for me, because I've been in a place, so I have been divorced, you know, raising two kids and their father is very involved with them, which is a huge blessing. So that's been great, but I'm still a single mom. I still have to make ends meet in my household. So that's been difficult. I- I've just needed a lot of help, you know, yeah. I do love it when I don't need the help when I'm like, Oh yeah, I could do this on my own. But it has also made me realize too, that I really want to help other people
1: mm-hmm. when I
0: can Yeah, because I've needed a lot of help in my life. My parents have been wonderful in being there for me in so many ways. They've been a huge financial help to me, and they still are, and they're very generous in that way. So that's been a huge blessing. And I don't know, you know, like everyone, I would be surprised if there hasn't been a person who has fantasized about what they would do with a lot of money, right? Yeah. But for me, like I thought about setting up charities, and one of them, one of the ideas I had, because. <laughs> i was a single mom trying to find a place to live in california at the time i didn't have a degree and now i have a degree but it's not something i can do much with yeah i have an undergrad in order to do so i'm in uh i majored in marriage and family studies the idea was to become a therapist but that's a lot of schooling yeah and so i don't know it's still a possibility but, you know, back when my kids were little, when I first got divorced, trying to make it here in California is really hard. So, yeah, one of my thoughts was if I had a lot of money, I would find a way to help young people or single moms, single parents have a place to to be.
1: Yeah. And to live. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think it would be like a temporary thing mm-hmm. to be like, okay, well, what's your plan for the next five years? Yeah.
1: And help you know, them. Are you
0: going to school? help them find either like go to school to get a degree or have some kind of trade Training. or something yeah mm-hmm. yeah so
1: yeah that's, that's a good idea because got... it's it's so hard I think as a single parent and watching mm-hmm. you go through that journey in California with how expensive housing is it mm-hmm. it's it was a long road
0: <laughs> yep
1: really long and there's probably a lot of need there oh for sure yeah so tell me about kind of your journey um, the last kind of couple years, right? Like we're we're still kind of in the middle of this pandemic in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting some of the experiences that you and I both have had as, you know, the world's has shut down and opened back up and there's masks and there's vaccines and all of these things. What are some of the things that have happened in your life during this time that have been impressionable?
0: Well, the biggest thing, I know I am not unique in this, but there have been so many mental health issues that have come because of the pandemic. Yes. And I mean, I'm part of that. So I realized last year I was really struggling With a lot of things it was just strange like I would wake up from you know just my alarm normally supposed to be waking up to go to work and I would be crying Mm. or just feeling really high anxiety some days some days just really sad and usually there was a reason for it and I realized what I was sad about it wasn't just this mysterious why am I sad I'm crying and I'm a wreck Um. But that happened, it was happening fairly often, not every day, but often enough to where it was getting in the way of, okay. like, my job and everything. And I really started to kind of look at it to try and figure out what's going on and to try and make it better, I guess. And I remember actually talking to you about it. Yeah. Over time.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it was interesting because you had gotten the job working at the courthouse. And I remember talking to you maybe six months in and you talking about how much you were enjoying your job and your coworkers and things were good. And then it felt like we got into that pandemic and I started talking to you and things were not going so good emotionally.
0: True. I think they were definitely magnified, but it made me realize that things haven't really been going so good for a really long
1: time. Interesting.
0: But it was more a few and far between my my episodes and I just kind of chalked it up to oh, that's life. Sometimes we get sad. Sometimes we have a hard time with things and we don't really know how to deal with our emotions or whatever. But I remember there was a day and this was so the courts closed, I remember this so well, Friday the 13th in March. And we were closed, I think it was nine weeks. And then we came back. So it was like Mayish, And it was after we had come back, but things were still kind of weird. We were kind of operating on like a limited basis. And we had a lot fewer people. And I remember where I was because I had been talking to you a lot about just things that were going on and stuff. And I remember I was in my car and it was either on my way to work or maybe was it that day where I was like on the side of the road just like freaking out and crying. Do you remember that? And I called you and I was actually late to work.
1: I think I remember that. Yeah.
0: That might be the day. I can't remember, but it was sometime around there. And you and I were talking, and you said to me, you said, well, you know, I can't be your therapist. Something (laughs) along those lines. But I'm pretty sure you have PTSD, and you need to talk to somebody. And when you said that, I was like, it was like, light bulb. It was like, that makes so much sense, you know? (laughs) And so that was kind of the beginning of me realizing I guess exactly what was happening with me and it's been kind of a journey since then I definitely knew some things that were triggering for the you know that response the anxiety response like the weird things that happen in your body for those of you who don't know about PTSD (laughs) it's kind of crazy and doesn't always make sense but I definitely know some of the things that caused it yeah I recently just started talking to a therapist about it, though, which I should have done a long time ago and did not for whatever reason. But I come to find out that this actually started long before the events that I thought
1: had triggered were it the,
0: were the cause.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's been interesting.
1: <laughs> so right, and I feel like this journey to understanding and realizing you had PTSD kind of paralleled your journey with developing a love for podcasts. True. I'd like to ask you more about how podcasts have helped you as you've been facing these struggles.
0: Um, So I started listening to podcasts in the courthouse. Actually, when I first started, I was trying to be like – This model employee, right, where I would just go in and focus on work and do nothing else. And shortly after I started, they were like, well, you can listen to music as long as you have the ability to still hear like what's going on if someone needs to talk to you. So people would often use the wireless earbuds and just have one in. So they had other ear open, so and just listened to it kind of quietly so that it wasn't too much of a distraction. But we were allowed to do that. So I think after a few months of working there, I'm like, oh, well, I can try it. And so at first I just listened to music and stuff, but it got boring listening to the same stuff over and over
1: again. <laughs> Despite and your so, love of music. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Exactly. Like, you got to switch it up. So I would just start, list, like, talking to co-workers and stuff about what they were listening to, and a lot of people were listening to podcasts, and so that's kind of how I got into, like, the true crime stuff. Actually, my sister told me about a podcast. I can't remember what it's called, but it was, like, like Ice Cold or... Oh, Cold. cold so- yeah. Cold, cold something.
1: I think it's just about Cold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, about it's big here the, in Utah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's about the josh powell case mm-hmm. Yep. so i started listening to that and then i just got sucked in and to the whole true crime thing which i have been before like i used to watch the id network a lot but then i would like f- fall asleep to it but then my daughter when she was really little would come in sometimes in the middle of the night and i'm like it would still be going and she called it my murder show she's like mom are you gonna watch the murder shows so i <laughs> kind of stopped watching that <laughs> um oh that's funny. but yeah. I just figured, you know, the true crime thing was fitting for my environment, my work environment. When I first (laughs) started, I was working in the criminal section of records. So, you know, it was all around crime and stuff. And I was learning a lot. So it was kind of like eating it all up. That's how the podcast got started. Then I was realizing, too, at some point, this was before I realized that I had PTSD, that a lot of that stuff was triggering to me. And it didn't make me feel good. It made me feel really yucky. So I was like, maybe don't listen to this all the time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, So I started to kind stuff. of, yeah, branch out into other things, which I think it's normal for us to be, like, fascinated by the criminal mind and stuff like that. But you can only be in, you know, that yuck and darkness for so long before it really affects you. So, yeah, I just moved on to other things and but after I realized that I had PTSD I just listened to a bunch of different things I started listening to Brene Brown and she's awesome
1: yes definitely and I listened to more uplifting things well and one thing that I noticed as you were listening to the podcast is that you were beginning to open up your worldview you know you talked earlier about Mm -hmm. that paradigm of, oh, well, if you just work hard, then you'll have everything that you need. And I feel like as you began listening to podcasts and different people's experiences, you really started developing an empathy and kind of a connection to people who are Mm -hmm. different that you Mm -hmm. didn't really have Mm -hmm. before. And really... It's true. It, it influenced you in a lot of ways, right? It influenced you kind mm-hmm. of personally. It influenced political views that you held um mm-hmm. and you really began like thinking more deeply about things that you had just kind mm-hmm. of always gone along with your whole life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh, the last election was insane. Yeah. <laughs> But, in a, but it, it was good. It was
1: so people. good for you to be able to, to really, like, open up your mind and your heart to mm-hmm. people. I feel like that's what I saw, is you were opening up your mind and your heart to people.
0: That, yeah. And, I tried, for sure. That's something that's important to me. There was a long period of time where I felt very weird. I felt like I didn't belong... Anywhere, because I wasn't just this little like perfect peg that fit in the right spot, you know? Yeah. So I felt like that at church. I felt like that in my family. I felt like that just kind of anywhere I went. And listening to podcasts, so the the two most profound things that happened to me with the podcast were... One of the podcasts I listened to was a true crime one. And one of my friends who I, one of my coworkers, she's like, I love these people, you know, and they aren't the most clean. So I know sometimes we're going to have audience members who really are looking for that. So I don't know if it's for everybody, but it's the morbid podcast and it's two sort of sisters (laughs) that are the co-hosts for it. And their opening line was, hello, weirdos. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is interesting. So after listening to, like, the first few episodes and the way they talk about things, like, they also have that really, like, sarcastic humor, which I have a lot, too. And so it's just something that was, like, appealing. But the biggest thing was they were, like, the first people to give me permission to be weird. Like, you're fine as you are. Yeah, you know, it's okay that you're weird and you're not perfectly fitting in. And so there was that. And then a different podcast I was listening to, which was also a true crime talked to Elizabeth Smart. And I think most people probably know who she is. But just in case you don't, she was her family lives in Utah, or lived in Utah. I don't know where they all are now. At the time they were living in Utah, and she was kidnapped from her home in the middle of the night. And she was held captive for nine months, 10 months. Something like that, and she now like talks about it openly. She was reunited with her family, and she was safe, which is amazing,
1: yeah, and she's an but, amazing uh, motivational speaker. She's oh to- she's so great. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, but what she said, her message that I took away, the thing that was the most important thing for me to hear, was that... Whatever happens to you, if you're the victim of sexual assault or something like that, it doesn't have to be a secret. And for the longest time, for me, the things I was going through, I felt nobody can find out. You know? Yeah. And, like, all of these bad things are going to happen if I tell anyone. And so she was the one that said, no, you can talk about it. You know it's okay yeah people will believe you because that was a thing too is like nobody is even gonna believe anything i say
1: you know yeah and so so she was like well and i think it's especially hard when you don't want to believe it yourself too right mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. want to even believe that you went through that hard thing right that traumatic thing so if True. you don't want to believe it, why would anyone else? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So, yeah, so she was instrumental in me just in the my healing process, I guess. Yeah. They both both those podcasts, those were the most profound influencers on me wanting to start a podcast. Yeah.
1: Well, and it seems like the big takeaways that you received from that was like I'm going to accept myself and i'm going to have a voice Mm -hmm. and i do think that's instrumental right Mm -hmm. you're here now because you accept yourself and because you have a voice yep and you want to influence others to be able to connect to their voice as well yep and and super important, yeah. And another thing that I that I thought was so interesting is you and I went through this pandemic, and we were kind of each other's lifeline, right? We were are mm-hmm. on the phone a lot with each other, um, yeah. but it seemed to be a time of great introspection, in which mm-hmm. we both emerged from it, having discovered and recovered from. Recognizing that we didn't fully love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember having that conversation about how didn't even necessarily realize it until we started working through it. Uh huh.
0: I'm thinking of the seven hour long conversation we had <laughs> on my couch. Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah. Too? Yeah. Because okay. that's
1: when we both realized that we had been on that journey at the same time mm-hmm. without having discussed it in any way right
0: it's so true that was actually one of the first times I realized like oh yeah Julie's not this superhuman person (laughs) (sighs) but guys we were like talking we had talked about having breakfast right we got up I don't even know what time it was it was probably 9 a.m. she was visiting me um this was in April right yeah
1: it was April Uh uh-huh
0: yeah she was visiting me. <laughs> and we're like, okay, well, what should we have for breakfast? And then we started
1: talking. And then we talked and talked and talked.
0: And then it got to lunchtime. <laughs> we're like, well, maybe we just forget breakfast. What are we going to have for lunch? <laughs> I think we did have lunch.
1: I think we did. If I remember correctly,
0: yes. I think we had lunch. And then we sat back down and, and we, we talked, talked and talked yeah. again. Until 4 p.m. We started at 9. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah that was one of our conversations where we just realized yeah we had been going through some things
1: yeah working
0: them out and, yeah.
1: yeah well and i was grateful for the pandemic to kind of have time to kind of slow down it gave me time to mm-hmm. be able to think and realize and be introspective um right how, how was it for you? How did you come to that realization that, you, that the, you um, of know, the importance of loving yourself?
0: It's so weird because I think the idea of trying to find things to be grateful for in hardship, I think that's really hard for a lot of people. Because for me, I did not lose loved ones because of COVID. Right. That was not something that I had to endure. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some other hardships. One thing that I hope we all really avoid, I'm going to say this really fast, is the comparative suffering. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, you had that. Well, I had this.
1: And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's so much worse because, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm not trying to do that right now. Losing a loved one. I did lose a loved one during the pandemic, but it wasn't because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was completely unrelated. But... There are some things that happened because of COVID that would never have happened, or at least I have no idea how it would have happened if it weren't for COVID. And the first one is just like what we've been talking about this whole time is just the it was a catalyst for my healing process because I had so much time to sit and think. You know, if I had gone on in my life as normal and this never happened and we never had to sit at home with our families and had all this time to think, I would have just probably been going on life as usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still doing the same things that I do that were causing this PTSD in me to get worse yeah. right which is to like stuff it down don't talk about it don't recognize the things that are causing problems you know move on push forward don't have emotions all of these things yeah that is what i would say 99 percent of the human population does right
1: we if it feels bad let's you run know? away from it yeah 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 we
0: don't address it we pretend it doesn't happen yeah and so i think i probably would still be there most likely mm-hmm I mean, you can never really predict the future. There may have been something else that, you know, caused it. But that has been such a huge blessing for me. It has been the hardest, one of the hardest things that I ever remember going through is, like, dealing with all of this. Yeah. I think in some future episode, we might talk more about, well, we probably, we're going to talk about everything, but, like, more about anxiety Mm -hmm. and what exactly happens. Because I've been talking more generally about this stuff. Right.
1: Very little detail, a lot of vagueness. But but it's been hard and it's been unpleasant. <sighs> oh my gosh, so unpleasant. But at the same time, you just said that it's been so worth it.
0: Yes. Well, because there's been a lot of healing and stuff in it too. You know, think about it. Anytime you break a bone or have some like a surgery or, you know, something physical that goes wrong, being sick. Right. Healing is a process that is not exactly fun.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: There's things about it that just suck so much, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's that journey. And at the end of that journey, there's relief.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. So you appreciate what that journey has brought you to where you've gotten mm-hmm.
0: I don't think that there's relief to the point where it's never going to be a problem again. But I don't know. It's it's better. Definitely better. Even being able to recognize, okay, this thing that's happening to me right now, this irrational thing that's happening in my brain and it's making my body go crazy, it's it's okay. I know what it is.
1: Yeah. And
0: I'm not actually in danger. Mm-hmm. My body just thinks I am. Yeah. You know, so I've been able to put, like, rational thoughts.
1: And understand it it Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and make sense of it and learn what you can do. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. What else would you like people to know about you or, you know, what you believe that you've learned through all these experiences?
0: Now, we talked about a, a bit about my worldview And I feel like that's always going to change because the world is always changing.
1: And we're always changing. Yeah.
0: But I think the thing for me that is the most important thing that I have picked up over this last year, I feel like I was just born in some ways. (laughs) (laughs) I spent so much time in my life kind of just going through motions and not really thinking a whole lot or putting much effort into, okay, well, what do I believe? You know, I always just kind of adopted things that I've been taught, you know, and in the last year, two years or so, it's been more of, I can hear something and agree with it or disagree with it
1: and have your, or
0: being like, oh, huh, that's not something that I ever really thought about before. Yeah. For me, the most important thing is that, like, I am driven by loving people and treating people with respect. Yeah. And that's the most important part about my worldview. Like, it doesn't really matter if we see
1: eye to eye. Or if we have the same opinions or... Right. Yeah.
0: A lot of times what will happen (laughs) is you'll say something and my initial reaction will be like, oh, that's kind of dumb or wrong then I'll go home and I'll really look at it and think about it and be like, oh, maybe that's not so dumb or wrong. I think for me, being open minded to other people's ideas and what and their experiences, really, that's the big thing. Mm -hmm. Their experiences, because that's something that reason why I felt so weird is because my experiences weren't really matching up with some of the things that I understood growing up. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's like if you do this and that, then this should happen. Well, I did this and that, and that did not happen. (laughs) And so I think one of the biggest things is you have to just love yourself.
1: Well, and in loving yourself, I feel like it gives you room, so much more room to love Mm -hmm. and accept others for who they are. Mm -hmm. When you Mm -hmm. can do that for yourself and you're not always judging yourself or feeling less than Mm -hmm. or feeling not enough then you don't do some of that comparison and that judgment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. There's a difference between arrogance and loving yourself. A good point.
0: Right? Yeah. Arrogance does not give room for growth. That's a, I'm already the best. I'm great. There's nothing wrong with me. There's always things we can do to improve. Loving yourself is more along the idea of I am enough. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't have to be the best to be enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I felt like I had uh, had to really work on was just loving me exactly as I am, right? My flaws mm-hmm. and all. Everything,
0: yeah. which is the hardest thing to
1: do. It is. And just saying yeah. it's okay. It's okay that I'm me. It's okay that I make the mistakes mm-hmm. that I make. And in accepting that, That opens up more room for me to learn from those Mm -hmm. mistakes and to move in the direction of who I want to be. Mm -hmm. But when I try and either shame myself out of being that way or Mm -hmm. when I try to pretend like I'm perfect and I don't have those problems, um, that's when I'm denying myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what would you like to share before we wrap this up? What final thoughts do you have? Um, I have a few floating around in there.
0: <laughs> um, I think what I want people to know about me and what we're about in this podcast is going along with what we were just talking about. Number one is do not listen to the voices that tell you you are not enough. Because that's just total crap. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and the voices come from you. They come from people around
1: you. They come from past experiences. They come
0: from people you love sometimes. If it comes from people you love, you need to be able to tell them to knock
1: it off. (laughs) (laughs) Boundaries. Yes.
0: Yes. 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 Which is really hard to do. I'm not trying to like make it sound like it's just this easy thing. And I just like, number one, I said from the beginning, like, you know, from moving around a lot, I get really pretty attached to people pretty quickly. I, I am going to love everyone that we talk to. It is true. And <laughs> it's just going to yeah. happen. I'm going to love all of you. And I just hope we laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to always be heavy. I yeah. mean, life is really heavy, and we'll talk about some of that stuff, or a lot of that stuff. But I think I'm really funny.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> this
0: one hasn't been so much of that, but yeah. I hope more are.
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I want to. I we both we've <clears throat> talked about this. We want to be able to have fun. We want to laugh together. We want to be able to connect with people's hearts we want to be able to feel that connection and that empathy and that love for other people
0: true I'm a crier too holy crap am I a crier yeah I get it from my mom
1: I, I might call you out I might be like okay Julie Farber's crying again and that's gonna make <laughs> me cry
0: <laughs> and I I ugly cry <laughs> so much yeah you. but I feel like if you're not ugly crying are you really serious about <laughs> it you know?
1: <laughs> yes, we need to be serious about her crying, right? Yeah. We do sometimes. Yeah. I think it's really good to, to sometimes get get that out. I think sometimes we yeah. don't allow ourselves to ugly cry. But you know, you can ugly cry in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> and I will.
0: <laughs> I may have to excuse. So ugly crying isn't really conducive to like a good interview because it's like. you. Yeah,
1: you can mute. You can mute yourself. <laughs> and I'll, yeah. I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> right unless you get me going then we'll be in trouble
0: oh that's gonna happen i'm i'm sure of it i'm already crying right now but
1: that's <laughs> some laughing. It's funny. i'm a sympathy crier if someone else cries same yes i,
0: I know I, we started yeah. watching this sh- this show so i was watching it with the uh, my boyfriend Mike. initially but it's called it's on youtube you guys should check it out it's pretty good it's uh cinema therapy oh
1: yeah you love cinema therapy
0: oh my gosh they'll show (laughs) like they'll do like an intro right and you'll see one of the hosts just like blonde white and like when he cries he turns red which is me (laughs) but like his eye when you see the intro and like oh my gosh this is a crying one like I'm done for they're all good so
1: good so what what you want our listeners to know about you is that you are a crier
0: I'm a crier and I'm also funny. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I love everybody.
1: And you love everybody. I love it.
0: That's actually, I do love everybody, but I sometimes don't have patience for stupid shenanigans. (laughs) I like most shenanigans, but stupid ones are, that's tough. That's
1: not your favorite. You're still, you're still working on that.
0: (laughs) No, but I can, I can still love you even if you do stupid shenanigans. Yes, you can. I'll just tell you to knock off the stupid shenanigans.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Deal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's me in a nutshell.
1: (laughs) Nice. Well, thank you so much for telling us more about you and your life experiences and some of the things that you're realizing in your life's journey. You know, it's inspiring to me to be able to hear just what you've learned like in the last year or, or year and a half or two years like we're kind of like these middle-aged ladies now right like we're, oh my gosh, we're not 40s. middle-aged yet. <laughs> that's no it's 50 you're, 50 is oh my middle-aged. gosh you're so we're in denial anyways we're, we're <laughs> these 40 year old women who who are waking up and learning so much more than what we ever realized we could mm-hmm.
0: and I True. think that
1: that this I feel
0: like forty is when life begins.
1: Forty is a really. I I want to just say this. Forty is so awesome. It has been my favorite decade to live in so far. I mean, I'm only two years into it, but I have loved being. You are, I'm not forty yet two years into it. Oh, you like are so close. <laughs> your birthday is like less than a month away. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's true. You're
1: close enough. <laughs> You're close. Um, but being forty. Oh my goodness, I love it so much more than my twenties and thirties mm-hmm it's a good age i
0: felt like my 30s was just clouded by single momdom
1: yeah same for me not single momdom but momdom having four yeah. children yeah what
0: happened to my 30s they're gone i feel like it's like a Rip Van Winkle
1: thing. Well, and that's why the forties are great because we're waking up again. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Which has been good. fun so far.
1: It's been really fun. It's been fun, and you and I have started going on trips together, and that's really fun too.
0: It is fun. We could talk for seven hours, guys.
1: <laughs> we could, we could.
0: We could talk for a lot longer than that. We've done it. Yes, lots.
1: Well, and with this being kind of a new thing, we are not sure how to end. I don't know if you can tell, but we just we're keep just to have to say goodbye. <laughs> we need we need to have like a sign off, some something that we say, but we're still figuring that out. And this might this part might get edited out <laughs> when we actually figure out Maybe. how to end I think this. We should keep it in. All right. <laughs> okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. We really do love you all. We do. It's not a lie.
1: We would not be putting ourselves through this journey if we didn't.
0: It's true. And we will see you in all the other episodes we put out, which is going to be a lot.
1: Okay. Bye.
0: (laughs) Bye.